Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. These poetic words from Proverbs provide us with a lesson from the ant. The ant is an industrious creature that needs no supervision to get his work done. He refuses to procrastinate or make excuses. The sluggard? Well, his name speaks for itself. I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now. What does your work ethic say about you? Hello and welcome to this Friday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My name is Brian, I'm so glad you've joined us. Are you a sluggard or an ant? Do you do what needs to be done on your own? Or do you wait for someone to tell you to do it? God has a lot to say about the way we do what we do. And that's where Ron takes us today as he continues his teaching series, Wise Sayings, Guidance for Everyday Life. Stay with us now or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From Proverbs chapter 3, here's Ron with part 2 of his message, Wisdom While You Work. I remember years ago before I went into the ministry, I was in sales and marketing in the corporate world for seven years out of college. And um, I remember one of the companies I went to work for during that time, the guy was interviewing me and I asked him at the end, I said, what what kind of person are you looking for? Who who are you looking to hire? And I'll never forget what he said. He says, I'm looking for a make it happen kind of person. They'd know in 30 days, 60 days, whether whether I was a make it happen person or a sluggard. Uh, A sluggard wouldn't take a job like that. A sluggard, you know, is somebody who needs constant supervision. Uh, My dad used to say, and he built a residential real estate company when we were growing up, and he's hired and fired a lot of people, and he used to say, some people are like wet noodles. You ever try to push a wet noodle up a hill? I mean, that's an image for you, isn't it? You just can't get them going. They're not self-motivated. They're not make-it-happen folks. They're never going to get themselves out of bed. They still got mommy coming and waking themselves up in the morning. Come on, son, come on, let's, let's, let's get going. Let's get out the door and let's work a little bit. Never hire a person like that. You know, interview deeply to find out where the level of self-motivation is because a sluggard will never produce for you what you want produced in the office and they'll, they'll always frustrate you. They'll always frustrate you. The, the ant, I'd rather hire an ant than a sluggard. Let's just say it that way. Because the ant will always exceed expectations. You know, when you come down to that review at the end of the year, did they meet expectations? Did they exceed expectations? Did they fall below expectations? The sluggard is down here. The ant's always going to meet and exceed expectations. Why? Because without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in the harvest. She goes and makes it happen. Okay? Secondly, uh, the sluggard, he or she, procrastinates. This is another characteristic of the sluggard. 
Look at Proverbs chapter 27 or 12 and verse 27. Whoever is slothful will not roast his game, but the diligent man will get precious wealth. This is the picture of the sluggard who goes out and he's a hunter and he shoots his game, but then is too lazy and too slothful and too sluggerish to then prepare it for the roast. Just puts it off for another day. I mean, why do today what I can put off until tomorrow? It's the favorite saying of the lazy, sluggerish person. Uh, Proverbs 26 and verse 15 uh, says it in a humorous way. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. Now, that's a little bit of Hebrew humor. Can you picture that? A sluggard that is so sluggish, such a lazy oaf, that he buries his hand into his dish, but he's too lazy to bring the spoon or the fork back up to his mouth. How about Proverbs 20 and verse 4? The sluggard does not plow in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. Because he's always putting something off for another day. Then it comes harvest time, and he wonders why he didn't have anything. Because, well, he's, he's president of the Round To It Club. You've heard of that? One of these days I'll get around to it. All kinds of people love to congregate together. They're members of the Round To It Club. Maybe you're mar- married to a round to it kind of person. One of these days, I'll get around to cleaning the house. One of these days, I'll fix that fence in the back of the yard. One of these days, I'll get a real job. Or how about this one? One of these days, I'll get serious about my relationship with God and start reading my Bible every day. It's possible to be a spiritual sluggard. And if you're a spiritual sluggard, there are at least two things that ought to awaken you from your sleep. One is the fact that there's no guarantee for tomorrow. Why, put, why do today what I can put off till tomorrow? You're not guaranteed of tomorrow. None of us is. And the other is the, the second coming of Jesus Christ. That ought to stir a sense of urgency in every one of us to, to wake up from our spiritual sluggardness And get after it for God. Get after it winning people to Christ and telling people about the amazing grace that he has showered upon our lives. So the sluggard requires constant supervision. He procrastinates. Thirdly, he makes excuses. Proverbs 22 and verse 13, the sluggard says, There is a lion outside. I shall be killed in the streets. Are you kidding me? I mean, this is the kind of excuse he comes up with as to why he can't go to work. Lions and tigers and bears, oh my, it's dangerous out there. I can't get up and get out of bed and get out of house. It's dangerous out there. You got to be kidding me. Don't hire a person like that, okay? Hire the person that's going to wipe out the lion, you know? I I read an article this week about, um, this is a CBS Money Watch online article, The Worst Excuses for Skipping Work, and it said that Employers reported hearing these real-life excuses over the last year. You're going to smile at some of these. Like the lady who called in and said, I can't come to work today because I just put a casserole in the oven. (laughs) Really? Or the person who said, I can't come into work today because my plastic surgery needs some tweaking to get it just right. Okay. All right. Um, 
I can't come to work today because I was gambling at the casino all weekend and still have money left. I need to stay to win it back. Well, I hope they're not in the finance department of the company. I can't come into work today because I'm stuck in the blood pressure machine at the grocery store. Now, that's a picture, isn't it? I put my uniform in the microwave to dry and it caught fire. I love this one. I can't come to work today because I accidentally got on a plane to the Caribbean. Now, that's not a bad excuse. I might use that one from time to time, all right? Or I appreciate this person's honesty. I can't come to work today because I woke up in a good mood and I don't want to ruin it. So, um, hey, if you're an employer, you need, to, you need to listen carefully to what your employees are saying. The sluggard comes up with all kinds of excuses as to why they can't get it done. I had a football coach in high school that said excuses are like armpits. Everybody has two of them and they both stink. Just remember that. The next time you feel a little sluggerish, all right? Dr. Ron Jones will be right back with the second half of today's message, Wisdom While You Work. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org anytime to find out more about the ministry, to ask our ministry team to pray for you, or to order selected resources from our online store. Some of life's greatest adventures take place on a road trip. Nothing is more enjoyable than traveling the open highway with the windows rolled down and the music turned up. Each town, each exit, an experience all its own. Hello friend, I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio, and today I'm inviting you to take a road trip with me. You see, I'm convinced that reading the Bible is the greatest literary adventure you can ever take. But with 66 books, two testaments, and more than 600,000 words, it can be a daunting journey to attempt. That's why I wrote my two-volume book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, where I give you a bird's-eye view of God's Word so you can clearly see how it all fits together. All 66 books of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. So pack your bags and join me on The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. You'll be glad you did. Here's Brian with details. The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1 and 2, can be yours today by request for your gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of Something Good. When you order the print versions, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The online library includes electronic versions of the book, plus video sermons, audio messages, and downloadable sermon notes on all 66 books of the Bible. Visit somethinggoodradio.org to request the two-volume set and to gain immediate access to the Route 66 digital library. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Pastor Ron, not only did you break this project up into two volumes, but you created what you call eight different road trips, five in the Old Testament and three in the New. Help our listeners understand the motivation behind that literary structure. You know, Brian, categorizing the various books of the Bible into eight separate groups is nothing new. Uh, they include the books of the law, the Old Testament historical books, uh, the wisdom books, the major prophets, the minor prophets, then we're into the Gospels and the early church, the Pauline epistles, 
and we finish up with the general epistles in Revelation. But when I first decided to compare the reading of God's Word to a travel adventure, well, it took me almost no time to come up with the phrase road trip to identify these eight sections of Scripture. Uh, What I believe the reader will begin to see a little more clearly is that the books of the law, for example, point to the person and work of Jesus Christ as much as the Gospels do. That's because the Bible is one story with one main character. His name is Jesus, and he is the Christ. Uh, My hope is that by experiencing the 66 books of the Bible as eight separate road trips, uh, this overarching theme will be easier to recognize and understand. Such a great idea, Pastor Rod. We're so glad you decided to share this important book with us. You can get your copy today by going to somethinggoodradio.org. Both volumes of this great resource are yours for a gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of Something Good. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. Now let's rejoin Ron for the rest of today's message, Wisdom While You Work. Fourth characteristic of the sluggard is he looks for the easy way the easy way. Proverbs 18 and verse 9, whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. Proverbs 12 and verse 11, whoever works his land will have plenty, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. Worthless pursuits. Uh, The get-rich-quick scheme The easy money scheme. Listen, if it's that easy, it ain't going to work. Somebody's just pulling your your chain a little bit. But the sluggard who's just just as lazy is always looking for the easy way out of things. This is the student who majors in basket weaving in college. You know, who, who doesn't apply himself in the classroom. Or you're majoring in something you know, much more worthy than basket weaving, and, and you're an A student, but you're, you're satisfied with a B. Or you're a B student, but you're satisfied with a C. You, you got some laziness issues. And why do gra- grades matter, young people? Because your first employer ha- has only your grades to look at and maybe some community service to find out whether or not you got to make it happen in you. Because if you can't produce here, why, why do I think you can produce over here? All right, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to look at those kinds of things. He's looking for the easy way out. And that's not the kind of person you want to hire. You, you don't want to hire the person who requires constant supervision. Yeah, some level of supervision. We understand supervisors and managers and so forth, but not the person who's the wet noodle trying to push up a hill. You can never get them going. They never come back with something that exceeds your expectation. You don't want the procrastinator who's always putting off to tomorrow what needs to be done today, now, okay? How many times have you as an employer looked at an employee and in a very subtle kind of way said, we gotta get this done, and you wanna just scream from the top of your lungs, get it done now, <laughs> you know? But you, you, just, you, just, you just can't push that person very hard. Makes excuses, always looking for the easy way of getting things done. You know, I've always said that Christians in the workplace ought to be the best workers. I think that was true of people early on in our nation. 
who were influenced by their faith. Certainly the Puritans brought that work ethic. It should never be said, an employer should never say, I'll never hire a Christian again because they're dishonest and lazy. The opposite should be said. We should understand the sacred trust that God has given to us in this thing called work that has intrinsic value. Your work matters to God. One day every one of us will stand before the Lord and give an account of our time and our talents and yes, even our treasure. How'd you do with it? What did you do with it? Well, I, I don't know. I just, you know, I, I thought maybe you'd come tomorrow. And tomorrow doesn't come because he came today. Don't be the sluggard. Don't let it be said of, of a Christian in your workplace. You see, you ruin your testimony that way. And we have a way of kind of elevating one sin above the other, and they say, well, the person who's immoral and an adulterer, that's a really bad person and destroy. Well, the lazy person does too. Laziness is just, it's, it's a cancer that can infect any organization. As a Christian, we ought to be the most diligent, industrious uh, we ought to be the people who arrive early and leave late when, when, the, when the going really gets to where it needs that. And be the people who go the extra mile. Remember when Jesus said that in his Sermon on the Mount? How many times have you gone the extra mile in your work? You say, well, I got one of those bosses. I don't care. Y your boss is the Lord God. Do you remember Colossians chapter 3? Verse 24 and 25, whatever you do, whatever your employment is, work heartily, put your whole heart into it. As for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. You know, if we bring that kind of work ethic as the body of Christ, to the workplace, to our nation, where that sort of work ethic is eroding, that's one small way we can, we can turn this nation back to God. Don't try to share your faith with somebody if the day before you, you were lazy on the job. You've discredited your testimony with your slothfulness and your laziness. Work hard. Work as unto the Lord. Uh, yeah, work for that advancement. You, you may need to move on to another job if you and your employer are not getting along. That's, that's fine. But while you're there, work heartily. Get, give, it, give it your whole heart as though you are reporting to the Lord God himself because one day you will. One day I will. He'll ask us about the time, those gifts and talents that he's given to us, even the money that he's entrusted to us, and he's going to ask us how we did. And what I want to hear, and what I know you want to hear, is well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. I'm kind of curious about what Paul meant here about receiving the inheritance as your reward. Because, you see, we are not only God's co-workers, we are co-heirs in Christ. And something about how we work and how we steward that sacred trust Something about that has to do with our future rewards in heaven and the inheritance that we receive in Christ. I, I don't know all the details of that. I just know that Paul refers to that. 
That should give new, new motivation to the way we work. You may despise your job and want to take your job and do something with it. But when you're working for the Lord, and until he moves you to another place, wow, your motivation ought to be, I'm going to do this as unto the Lord so that when I stand before him one day, he says to me, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for these challenging thoughts from this precious, precious book you call your Bible and your word. Uh, we receive it as truth this morning. Help us to put it into practice. Uh, help us to put it into practice even in the spiritual realm. Father, if there is some sluggishness in our spirit, uh, maybe a spiritual decision that you, you've been urging us to make, but we lack the urgency ourselves to make it, I pray that right here, right now, in this place, at this holy moment, that we would have the courage and the faith to make those spiritual decisions. And I pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us for today's message, Wisdom While You Work. And Rod, I've got a practical question for you today, one that I'm sure some believers in Christ face in the workplace. Suppose your employer tells you that you cannot share your faith, you cannot share the gospel of Jesus Christ in the workplace. What should you do? That's a great question, Brian. First, let me say this scenario is a little different from what we find, say, in Acts chapter 4. If you remember, Peter and John healed a lame man and preached the gospel right outside Solomon's portico in Jerusalem. And they were made to go before the Sanhedrin, who told them under no circumstances were they to preach in the name of Jesus again. Now, Peter and John refused, saying, which is right in God's eyes to listen to him or to you? So I would say to all Christians, you know, preach Christ, have Bible studies, share your faith, even if the government tries to stop you. But when we're talking about something in the workplace, I suggest two things. First, your employer is not asking you to refrain from sharing your faith in general, uh, just during business hours. Uh, so you can share your faith with coworkers after hours, take them to dinner, have them over to your house. Uh, you have plenty of opportunity to share your faith with those you work with outside the bounds of company property and company time. Remember, you're first an employee and they're paying you to do a job. So do that job and do it well during all the company time that you're on. But practically speaking, it's okay to abide by the company policy while you're at work. But I would also add this, if you make yourself an invaluable employee, if you do your work heartily as unto the Lord, there's no telling what sort of concessions your employer might make for you. Daniel is a great example. He was, he was so relied upon, he was such a great employee, if you will, that King Darius gave Daniel special considerations. Uh, Daniel was allowed to pray. He talked about the God of Israel without facing punishment. And even when some of Darius's men tried to conspire against Daniel, God delivered Daniel from the lion's den, and King Darius had the conspirators uh, killed and, and, and eliminated. So what I'd like to say to any employee out there who is facing such a dilemma, uh, work around those constraints by sharing your faith outside the workplace. Start there and start by being a good and faithful employee. Become such an invaluable employee that your boss might very well grant you a little leeway even during business hours. That's Dr. Ron Jones with some practical advice about sharing your faith in the workplace. Well, Ron, 
It's time to wrap things up here on Something Good Radio, but not before you tell us what's coming our way next time. Well, Brian, one of the things I've noticed through the years is that gossip and loose lips can really do a lot of damage to the church. Uh, we're all guilty of this from time to time, some more than others, but, uh, but all of us some, and it can destroy a church. I've seen churches split over these kinds of things. And the sad part is, once gossip gets started, by the time it reaches the end of the line, the story has been so distorted that it's not even remotely close to the actual truth. But by then, the damage is done, and it truly saddens me to see these kinds of things happen. So tomorrow, I'm beginning a two-part message about the power of the tongue. And I'll offer some practical wisdom from the book of Proverbs that will help us learn to bridle our tongues and be wise with our words. Brian, this is such a crucial message, and I think it's one we all need to be reminded of from time to time. That's Monday, when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, Speaking Words of Wisdom. Join us then for Something Good, and for Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio. I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for listening.